You're listening to another great podcast in the MyMac Podcasting Network. Hello and welcome to another edition of the show where we take a wander around the week in Apple, Apple News, Reviews, Technology, Associated Products and all sorts of other things that catch our eye. This is another episode of the Essential Apple Podcast. Hello everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Essential Apple and uh, this week, I must admit, I didn't think there was going to be a great deal of news. Uh, when I started, you know, looking through the stuff, there's the endless speculations and leaks, quote unquote, and uh, all the other stuff. You know, they're already on about the iPhone 14, for heaven's sake. We haven't even got the iPhone 13 yet. Oh, I don't know. But there we go. Um. As it turned out, as the, uh, you know, as the stories went on, we did find quite a lot of things which we're going to have a look at. So, uh, I'm not alone. I'm joined this week by Nick. Hello, Nick. Hi, Simon. Yeah, good to be back. And it's uh, it's a bit of a grey one here today, but uh, not too cold. So, ah, considering yeah. it's summer, you would think it would be a bit better, but there you go. That's quite nice here, fairly bright, not a clear blue skies or anything, not like we had the other day, but uh, it's bright, a little bit breezy, quite pleasant, to be honest. I had a very nice day out at um, Boscobel House, which is in Staffordshire, I think. I thought it was Shropshire, but I think it's Staffordshire. Um, and it's um, it's one of these places where that, that they were um, Catholics during right. um Civil War, and they hid uh, Charles II in a in a tree, the Royal oh, Oak. Yes. The Royal Oak. Uh, well, they've got a descendant of the Royal Oak still there, but uh, apparently it was quite wooded at one time, so there would have been a lot more woods around to hide in. Yes, I was going to say, uh, every, and, uh, <laughs> everywhere was a lot more wooded back then. Uh, you go there now and well, see a tree, true. and you think, how did he hide up there and nobody spot him, you know? <laughs> that's <laughs> right, because the probably... tree stands in a field on its own. Yeah. Yes, but at the time, it was probably in the middle of a bloody wood, so, you know, rather more that's useful right. hiding place. But uh... but that was very interesting, and it was a lovely day. That was Wednesday. It was beautiful. Excellent. Excellent. Yeah. And uh, we're also joined by Steve from Geeks Corner. Hello, Steve. How are you? Not too bad. Thanks both. It's uh, quite warm and muggy here in Wales, but it's still nice. Excellent. So it looks like you've got the worst of the worst of the lot at the minute, Nick. <laughs> yes. Well, it's not too bad. It's just a bit, it could do with being a bit sunnier. Well, there we go. We we can't you can't win in this country, you know. When no, the sun comes totally out, we, we complain it's too hot. When it rains, it's too wet. And when it's in between, we either wish it was hotter or colder. So you know, <laughs> <laughs> welcome right. to the British and their weather. There we are. Okay, so um, well, we'll kick off. I think with um, a lot of the stories this week are not specifically Apple. I must admit. But the big news of the week, I guess, is Amazon is destroying thousands of unsold AirPods, iPads and MacBooks, according to a new investigation. Uh, That was on iDrop News. You can find it all over the place. Apparently, it sprung from um, an investigation by ITV News here in the UK. So um, I've got a couple of things here. Um, 
I have, I have read I have read through it, and I don't think they're saying that there were thousands of Apple things. They they do no. say that some Apple things were in the things that were thrown away. Yes, <laughs> that that is true. But a lot of you know, it would appear that a lot. Of, yes, okay. The iDrop news has gone a little bit hard on it. It sounds like they're just destroying AirPods and iPads and MacBooks and other you know expensive items. Um, yeah. I mean, we... uh, but just the same though. I mean, throwing away. I mean, the, of course, the reason they're doing it is because keeping stuff in stock is costs a lot of money. Yes. So they're making space for new stock, and because because they can't get rid of it, it does actually say in this article they do recycle some of the stuff. They do actually. Um, it's not like they're just throwing everything away. But they said that in a seven day period in April they threw one hundred twenty four thousand items away. Yeah, which is a lot, isn't it? It's yeah. a lot of stuff. Um, you think they put that on their warehouse page where they do cheaper options so people can get things a little bit cheaper? Surely that's better. Yeah, or, or giving them away to charity shops or whatever. I mean, there's so many options rather than just chucking them into landfill. Yeah, I mean, the, the, the two the two bits, I think, that, you know, have, have, um, have really um, made this come to the fore is, one, the scale of it. You know, yeah. I mean, this was this investigation. I think they dug into one particular depot. I think it might have been in Dunfermline. Um, and you know, they, as you say, they threw away like a hundred and thirty thousand items in a week. Um, and the, but the biggest problem is, it's not just that they're throwing this stuff away. Most of it's going to uh, landfill. Um, yeah. You know, it's not Jeez. being broken Thankful. up or recycled or um, it. It just. I mean, it, I think it's. Um, it seems like it's uh, pretty shocking. Let's just put it that way. Um, oh, well, especially because in other countries, I mean, I, I, I watch a guy on YouTube. Well, in fact, I watch more than one guy on YouTube who are Amazon resellers. So in America, they if they get stuff sent back to them, they don't really inspect them. They just stick them in a box and they resell them at a, at a, a marked discount to these Amazon resellers and the Amazon resellers take them. And okay, sometimes they get stuff that's broken and they end up having to throw them away. Um, sometimes because people in America know that Amazon do this, sometimes they'll get a new item and send an old item back in the box. Yeah. Um, yeah. But even so, these guys can make a living out of it. Yeah. Well, so why why are they not doing that in the UK? You would think, wouldn't you? I mean, Amazon... Um, unless, made a... the, unless there's a legal reason they can't. No, I don't think there is, because Amazon uh, statement said something about we do recycle a lot of stuff or, or repurpose it or whatever, but um, it doesn't seem like they really are. Um, a leaked document from inside the Dunfermline warehouse showed that more than 124,000 items were marked destroy. That's just seven days in contrast only 28,000 items in the same period were lab labeled as donate um the manager admitted to us that in some weeks up to 200,000 items might be marked for destroy um now what i don't get about that is you've got companies like apple and things like that who do recycling so other companies offer as well so why not send like apple's products back to apple to recycle and some others back to the other companies indeed they may not be making money off it but at least it's getting recycled yeah exactly. I'm, I'm i'm guessing i mean it does say something in here about apple and um, uh it says it's so i'm not sure i agree with this but this is the last paragraph of the uh, of the article it says it's also hard to give apple a pass on this one either since as far as airpods ipads and MacBooks are concerned 
the company should offer more incentives for big box suppliers like Amazon to return them to Apple's own supply chain when they could be sold through other channels or at least recycled using Apple's considerably more environmentally responsible procedures. Yeah, but the, um, so but the, so does that mean does that mean Apple sell them onto Amazon and that, no, they um, don't. They won't take them back or no, I don't no, know. That's not because if you go on Amazon and look on um you know look up MacBook. You, you, you're not yeah. buying it from Apple, and you're not buying it from Amazon. You're almost certainly buying. You're nearly always buying them from a third-party company who have got right. And it's very rarely brand brand new. You know, it's not. I'm not saying you can't go on there and buy an M1 MacBook Air, but a lot of the stuff you will see on there will be slightly older models. So yeah. people are selling stuff, you know, at a discount, but it's still new, right? It's still new. It's brand new stuff, Apple stuff. So. It's not being supplied. Yeah. I mean, the whole thing about this works on, the, as it says in here, the point is people, third-party sellers, right, um, send stuff to Amazon warehouses so it can be dispatched directly from Amazon. Now, if that stuff doesn't mm-hmm. sell, the seller is getting charged for storing it. And then they're saying, um, you know, after a while, the charges for keeping stuff that's not selling outweigh the value of it so the people say, get rid of it. Don't send it back to uh, me. I don't right. want it. Okay. Get shot of it. Now, in my view, you know, why is that stuff not being distributed to schools or um, charities or, uh, you know, it might not be the newest MacBook Air, but you're not telling me if you've got a 2017 MacBook Pro Air, whatever, there isn't somebody out there who would be very glad to have that, you know, schools, churches, charities, any number of people. Um, There's a statement in one of the articles I've linked where Amazon said something about, oh, well, there are reasons why some stuff we have cannot, you know, cannot be um, resold. Yeah, it comes back, be. it's, da- it's yeah, damaged. Or, stuff. You know, yeah. it's damaged or... It's, so so is it is it in the end, I mean, it's obviously all down to money. And, and I'm guessing what they're saying is we can't possibly go through it and check it's all okay before we but send a lot, it on. That you see, what the... They're, that's their that's Therefore, their claim, but if we're not talking about returns here, right? What they're saying well, is, it says there's a mixture. It says there's yeah. a mixture according to this article. So well, some some of them are returns. Some of them are, but okay, you can filter out the returns if you must. But yeah. I mean, they're saying here on the ITN uh, ITV report that um, some of it's brand new stuff. A lot of this stuff yeah. is still right. Fifty percent of the items are unopened in their shrink wrap. The other half are probably returns in good condition. The staff well, have say, just become numb to reason, what they're being asked to do. Yeah, if there's if there's a legal reason why they can't sell them on, that's fair enough. Uh, sorry, can't give them away, then that's fair enough. But yeah, it's unconscionable really to be throwing that amount of stuff away. Yeah, you think as well. Well, computers and things like that, you can give them to the schools, which are clearly underfunded, and you can you can claim that as a tax write off anyway. So surely that'd be an Amazon's interest to do that as well. I just don't, I just don't understand so, the logic. Yeah, yeah. No, I don't understand the logic either. But it'll be financial in the end. Yeah. yeah. Well, you can imagine it being things like companies saying, you know, I mean, there's a picture in here. There's what appears to be a Braun razor. I suppose you could have people like Braun saying, I don't want you dumping stuff like that at, at discount stores because it will impact our top line, you know, yeah. or bottom line sales. But I, I'm sorry, that's I don't I don't see that as a valid reason to landfill. Throw stuff away. No. You know, particularly electronic goods should not be going into landfill. We all know that. We should not be chucking electronics into landfill. They're full of even stupid things like, you know, transistor radios. They're full of all sorts of rare earth elements and 
metals and you know they're full of things yeah. like gallium. We'll have and... to get. I think we'll have to give them a nice firm bad Amazon. Yes, that's um, <laughs> it's, it's one of those things where you know it's all driven by money, and but yes. it, it needs to be what it needs. I'm, and I'm you know I'm glad to say you know and ITV are for those who are not in the UK is the the independent independent TV. Um, yeah, I think in the UK. Reporting it, I think we, I think we can say it's it's probably true. Yes, so, you know they are a responsible yeah. and uh, respectable news, uh, you know, outlet. Um, It'll be interesting to see what Amazon has to say if they do say anything. Yes, and I hopefully you know this and public pressure will say this is not acceptable. Don't do this. But yeah, I, I would hope so. I mean, there are there are there have been other things where. Um, things have changed for the better so um for a little while my sister-in-law was um worked in the sort of management for a company called fair share right yes. a charity um and she told me quite clearly that there, there were at one time quite a lot of supermarkets would um order pallets of stuff and if they couldn't fill the lorry it wasn't cost effective to send it so sometimes they'd send stuff that no one had ordered. <laughs> I mean, they'd send more of the stuff that they were supposed to be sending simply because it wasn't cost effective to send the lorry not full. Right. And um, so the shop would get a pallet of whatever and they'd, they'd got nowhere to store it. So they'd throw it away. Unfortunately, mm. Fair Share found out about this and they said, well, look, don't throw them away. Give them to us. <laughs> And uh, and that's how that happened. So I think that's still happening now. Um, and and this stuff gets redistributed, and then goes out to you know um, food banks and um, yeah homeless shelters. There are, and, there are, there, yeah, and there are there are there are quite a lot of uh, these um, meal providers now that yeah. do meals. Um, that and all of the food comes from this spare food. It's not rubbish. No, it's perfectly good food. It's it's just spare. And uh, and they use it uh, for good causes. So yes, there's, as you say, there's no reason why Amazon shouldn't do something like that as well. Exactly. Um, unfortunately, on another tack which isn't in the show notes, I, I read another article today, um, which was about anaerobic digesters, which are used to turn waste food into biogas, yeah. which is then used to you know you burn that. It's cleaner and better to burn apparently than you know natural gas or whatever at the very least it's renewable you know yeah um, burning anything's probably not the best way to go but it, it gets rid of waste food and it produces apparently a, a sort of a, a rich fertilizer which you know plants yes food. you don't have to burn it you don't have to burn it 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 a waste gives off gases anyway. What yeah, well, this is, is this is it. yeah, well, this yeah. is anaerobic di- digestion of waste food. So it's it's mushed up and then fed through um, tanks full of bacteria, which that's right, that's right, um, which creates methane. Yes, which pro- yeah. produce methane or or you know burnable gas, which is then used to produce electricity. And the waste is a, a rich plant food type f- fertilizer, although yeah. it's heavy. Anyway, apparently, due to government subsidies, whereas originally people, farmers and supermarkets would have to pay these people to take away their waste food to use, due to government subsidies, they are now actually bidding against each other to buy waste food from supermarkets and producers and therefore gobbling oh, right. it all up and using it to, you know, for their own purposes. Um, 
and oh, a lot of this I stuff. I didn't know that. No, well, this is a thing I read today, and a lot of that stuff previously would have been donated by the supermarkets, you know, to worthy causes. You know, the stuff they have yeah. that's, a, you know, the stuff that they get that's end of use by date. Um, you know, the stuff that if you find on the shelf that reduced to ten p because it goes out of date today, quote unquote, and that's the you know not the use by the sell by date, which uses usually means it's good for another week. Anyway, um, that was a yeah. Thing. I, I only live. About as the crow flies, I probably only live a mile away from Minworth Sewage Treatment Works, uh, and, and they take food waste there. <laughs> so and Coles Hill, I think, which is a, again not far from me. Um, they've they've also got something similar. So yeah, I hope they're not. I hope they are only taking waste and yeah. not uh, and not stuff that can be reused. But um, apparently, you know, even some of, in this article, there were some guys who were like head of anaerobic digesters and saying this, you know, this is actually the totally inverse of the whole point. We, you know, yeah. we're supposed to be yeah, disposing cause... of waste, not paying people to give us food to chuck in our anaerobic digesters. But no, um, that's absolutely right. And no. They're saying, you know, it's sad to hear that. This whole scheme needs, to, you know, as I said, you know, this is even people in the industry are saying this scheme needs to be reevaluated. All right, subsidising yeah. it to get it going was one thing, you know, it's a green initiative, and we're happy that we had subsidies to get going. But now, you know, now it's madness with the anaerobic digesters trying to outbid each other to buy what quote unquote waste food. So there we go. Yeah. That's a rather another rather sad tale. Um, from this week. Okay, well, we'll move on from that then, shall we? Uh, what's been happening in Apple? Uh, the first one I've got down here is Russia has voted to force the US tech giants to open local offices. Um, this came from Apple Inside. I think this was actually a, maybe a week or so ago. Um, apparently, major tech companies like Apple must open offices in Russia by January 2022. Lawmakers in the country have decided, which could be a move to crack down on dissent and banned commentary online. Um, and also probably a way of making sure that they pay tax. Yeah, I would have um, thought the tax thing was more was more <laughs> more uh, relevant. Yeah, I think as well. Well, they they are laws. As if you're in the country, then obviously you've got to abide by them. Otherwise, they can just kick you out completely. So for like VPN apps and things like that, if they're not based in there, where they get a backdoor, then they just kick you straight out. So that's I think that's another reason they're pushing to have them in the country as well. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, websites and organisations which do not agree to this legislation and fail to set up a local office will face punitive measures, such as being designated as non-compliant on search engines and removed from search results or banned from advertising in the country. Um, well, that would make trading there quite difficult, wouldn't it? <laughs> it would. Um, I guess it depends how, what this, you know, how they determine it. Does it mean, you know, people like Ars Technica or... Um, you know, would they have to have an local office? If so, then I guess that's a way of shutting down all sorts of things that you don't like. Um, yeah, possibly. I mean, it does say major tech companies. But how do you define that? <laughs> well, yeah, exactly. Yeah, indeed. I mean, like Steve says, and it's the same thing we've said about China, when people go, oh, well, you know, Apple was rolled over because China asked them to do X, Y, Z. Well, as we've said before, Apple only have two choices, comply with the local laws or pull out. Um, yeah. Same thing here. Um, Difficult one. Difficult one. I'm pretty sure that they will probably have to... Um, comply. Comply. Yeah, I, I mean, as it says here, 2018, Russia banned Telegram from the App Store. 
although Apple later allowed app updates to be released. The government also banned VPN apps in 2017, affecting the App Store. Um, 2019, Apple moved to comply with a law which required data on local citizens to be stored in local servers, which is the same thing as China did. Um, There we are. You know, what do you say? You have to, at some point, I guess, you you know, you have to weigh up the the point at which you say enough is enough. We're being made complicit in things we don't agree with. But you have to justify that to your shareholders and to, to your, you know, everybody else. Yeah, well, it's like Tim Cook has said in the past, as he said, he'd rather be in the country trying to make some small changes than none at all. But then Google have decided they don't want to be in, I think it was like China, so they actually pulled out, didn't they? And so it's, uh, it's yeah. one or two options, really. You don't have much choice. No, that's it. You've got to either put up with it or you've got to pull out. And, um, well, Google is not in China. Um I think they like to style it as they took a moral stance and pulled out. Um, other people will style it that China kicked them out. But yeah. <laughs> it comes to the same thing, I suppose. If you refuse to comply, yeah. I mean, you could refuse to comply and see if they if they actually follow through and they went, right, you're banned. Get out. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Of course, the difference between Google and Apple is Google don't make very much. Do they? No, you know, exactly. manufacture. I mean, no, they have. They do make things, but I'm sure they're not. They're not tied to China in the same same way as you know, big big manufacturers are. So yeah. it, it's probably a lot easier. You know, and how much money do they make from advertising in China? Um, you know, I don't know what sort of level of advertising is allowed in China. Um, well, to be honest, I was reading a book a couple of months back. Um, it was about Alibaba and the rides and things like that. And in China, they basically favourite obviously all the Chinese, and they give all the other countries. Then they give them uh, harder things and laws, so it makes it harder for them to compete anyway. So it's probably just not in their interest to even try. Yeah, probably you know, and they're up against they're up against um, local alternatives. Yeah, you no, know, um, it's like several of the other things. Was it? Um, I don't, I don't know, but there's, I know there's a what Weibo is a Chinese company that competes yeah. with, but you know some of these things are huge. So some, um, some you know apps or companies like uh, was it WhatsApp? You know WhatsApp has apparently almost no grip in China at all because they all use a, a local Chinese app. Yeah, um, that's right. Yeah, so there we go. That that was that one. Uh, just you know another one of those. Um, Government tries to get control of the internet, really. Um, Mac Rumors has got one here. Apple shares a list of products to keep a safe distance away from pacemakers because we've all seen there's been some scare stories about um, things that, you know, can upset your pacemaker if you have one. Um, In a support document this week, Apple shared a list of products which should be kept a safe distance from medical devices such as pacemakers and defibrillators. Um, And I think you'll find on the whole they're... Fairly, you know, um, fairly. There's a few in here that are surprising, I must admit. Um, although I suspect, you know, there's an abundance of caution in this. AirPods and charging case, AirPods and wireless charging case, um, AirPods Max and its smart case. Um, the Apple Watch, oddly. Um, Apple Watch magnetic charging haven't accessories. Just, haven't they just included everything that's got Bluetooth in it? I've no idea. Um, well, it looks like it. I mean, they've got all the Macs. Yeah. I mean, yeah. How, how, are you really going to? I mean, how, how, do you hug your iMac regularly? <laughs> yeah. How far <laughs> away? 
you know. I thought the main things would be magnetic things, so like the charge, the watch yeah. things, and you know, because you can magnetically charge it. So fine, understand that. But yeah, well, there's nothing magnetic in the iPad, no, though. Isn't that's it? something. In, yeah, that doesn't that doesn't make sense. Then. No, so it must be Bluetooth. But I get. I think they've just complied. Basically, they've basically said, "Well, all of these potentially could." Yes. <laughs> it doesn't mean they will or they have. Well, here we go. Yeah. Earlier this month, theoretically, the American, they might. Yeah, uh, American Heart Association said in a small study of different types of pacemakers and cardioverter defibrillators, eleven of fourteen devices experienced interference when an iPhone 12 Pro Max was held close to the cardiac device within 1.5 centimeters. Um, even when the medical device was in the manufacturer's sealed package. Yeah, well, to some extent, some of this is common sense, isn't it? Right? Yeah. If yeah. you've got a defibrillator, don't go putting powerful electronic devices on your chest. Um, you know, same as if you've got, um, you know, if you wear hearing aids, it's probably not a great idea to put something that gives out a lot of RF next to it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, th- this this sits very firmly alongside the uh, instruction not to put your dog in a microwave. Doesn't it, really? Yeah. Um, um, caution, maybe, yeah caution, caution contents may be hot. Um, yes, that's right. <laughs> it's, you know, um, although, yeah, I kind of... I, I sort of get that to a mild extent, but yeah, you go and order coffee, you know. Yeah, I wouldn't expect it to not be hot. Thank you very much. Um, but okay, I it, it, I suppose there's probably a certain amount of abundance of caution in that. I mean, I'm sure if you if your life depends on your pacemaker, I'm sure you'll probably already been warned about. Don't don't stand next to the microwave and put it on full belt, you know. Um, yeah, I mean, it does say in this article to avoid any potential interference with medical devices. Exactly. So, exactly. so they're saying, well, in the, it's possible. <laughs> yeah, it's hard. Yeah, it's hardly a story, really. I mean, don't get me wrong. If you've got a, a you know a pacemaker or a, you do have to be careful. But, yeah. Um, yeah, but once you have it put in, they give you that advice anyway. So you know, yes. you of these dangers. Nah. I'm sure. I guess this is one of these, you know, to some extent, it's a, you know, it's a arse covering device. Isn't yeah, it? it's a ticking the boxes, isn't it? You know, um, yeah. but, you know, if you if you do, if you're listening to this and you have a pacemaker and you are in the least bit concerned, feel free to check the list. But uh, I'm sure if you have, you already know it's not a good idea to put electronic devices on top of your pacemaker. Um Stuff coming out of um, out of the betas, of course, um, for iOS and uh, Monterey and whatnot, as the, the new beta, beta 2, dev beta 2, has come out. Um, apparently, apps can request access to more RAM with iOS 15 entitlement, exceeding normal system memory limits. Um, now, we talked before about the fact that uh, apps... Apps on iOS uh, 15, or iOS, sorry, caps on iOS are, uh, sorry, I'll say that again. Apps on iOS uh, or iPad OS are capped at 5 gig, even though, you know, the, um, the newest machines have 8 or 16. Now, according to this, uh, a newly documented entitlement will allow app developers to request privileged access to RAM on iOS and iPad OS. This system entitlement has existed prior to these versions as a private escape hatch used by some internal processes, i.e. belonging to Apple, I guess. Um, the change from a private to public means that third-party app de- developers will be able to take advantage of it where appropriate. 
This will be especially useful on iPad Pro with M1, where the system RAM can reach up to 16 gig, but the standard RAM per app is only 5 gigabytes. Um, Pro apps, and the iPad in particular, could benefit from this. Um, the documentation for this entitlement warned that access to additional memory is not guaranteed and it is unclear how much additional RAM will be granted. Um, there we go. Um, this doesn't I, really surprise me. No. It doesn't really surprise me. I, I think this is probably going to become more common over time. Yeah. Particularly yeah. once we actually get into the uh, where lots and lots of people have got these well, I'm, 8 as gig a, or 16 gig RAM, yeah. RAM model. Well, as I said, I said the other week, didn't I? Go, you know, at the moment, I think that, you know, the the 5 gig per app limit is there so that people don't start writing apps that are expecting to get 8 and therefore won't run on older machines or non-M1 yeah. machines. Um, it yeah, would... I think this is going to be aimed towards the bigger companies like Adobe and Procreate and things like that. So yeah. they already it... do the handshake deals anyway. So this will be more geared for them. For... Yes, it will. Apparently, yes, um... the kind of and the kind of people wanting to run them are probably going to have the Pro yes. iPads as well anyway. Um, I don't know if it mentions it in this one. There was another one I was reading about it. Um, uh, developers will have to apply to Apple to, um, you know, have access to this. It's not going to be handed out willy-nilly to uh, anybody and uh, will be subject to app review. So basically, you know, your weather app's not going to be able to ask to have 10 gig of RAM, you know. Um, yeah. Will be subject to app review and, and approval by Apple, which I, I think is decent because you don't want every tin pot little game or whatever asking to grab ludicrous amounts of RAM. So... We were. Uh, but, I was talking talking with my family earlier on about um, allowances. I, I was quite surprised that one of the things I did when I was out this week was uh, I'd forgotten that we normally have a Zoom meeting on Wednesday just for a few people, um, anyone who wants to drop in really from church, and I'd compl- almost forgotten it. But I was um, so I was at you know in Staffordshire, and uh, I saw an email. I was having something. I was actually grabbing some lunch and saw an email from someone saying, "Are we meeting this afternoon?" And I thought, "Oh, I'd forgotten that." So I, <laughs> so I ran the whole meeting on my iPhone and uh, uh, on Zoom, and it worked fine. Um, but I did wonder how much data I would use. So we were on for about an hour. Um, Eight hundred meg it used. So that's that's pretty efficient, isn't it? For video? that's pretty efficient. I mean, an hour of you know of video. Um... Yeah, I mean, it's not, you haven't even used a gig. I mean, that's... Yeah, that's, that's right. So pretty... so I was very impressed when I found out that I'd only used 800 meg in an hour. I thought it would be a lot more. That's that's very good, yeah. So, like Steve, I must admit, I'm not particularly surprised by this. I mean, everybody was moaning about, you know, you've got M1 chips with all this RAM and nothing's taken a uh, thing. Looks like in iOS 15 apps will be able to apply to apple to have access to this entitlement and that will be subject to approval by apple um so yeah. yes you know oh, people people yes, the like reason fi- I, by the affinity way, photo and whatnot yeah by the way the, the reason i t- said told that story <laughs> the story seems to be completely unrelated i suddenly realized um is that often people think they need they want more because they can get more Yes, uh, and I'm sure it's the same as for developers. You know, well, if we can get an eight gig, why shouldn't we have eight gig? <laughs> uh, yeah, very much so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. True. Um, I- I'm sure there will be. You know, as Steve said, there. You know, people like Procreate, um, Affinity Photo, Luma Fusion, people like that. I'm sure they'll be able to apply and, and get permission to, you know, use this. To- yes 
pull in more RAM if needed. Because they're not saying it will allow you to just take 8 gig. It will mean, I guess, if your, you know, if your RAM usage of that app starts to clear, you know, get to the top of the 5 gig limit, you've got a, you will have an API that says, you know, allow, allow you to take a bit more. Yeah, I wonder if... Um... I wonder if they can allocate more on the fly while the while it's running. I don't know. I don't know enough about. No, I don't work. I mean, and, but there you go. It's a, a thing that apparently Apple have been able to use for their own purposes, and now it's being made available. Fair enough. I'm, as I say, I'm, I'm sure we will see more and more of that over time, and slowly, yeah, know, they'll st- start making ad- taking advantage of these M1. Well, I'm pretty sure over you know over time the M1 will make its way down even probably to the bottom of the range as you know as the top ones get replaced. So yeah, you know the the iPad Pro will end will be the first one to get an M1X or an M2, and you know then the the Air will probably get an M1, and then and so on. And in a few years, the bottom of the line will be running an M1, and the top of the range will be running an M2X or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I suspect eventually, possibly even phones. There we are. Um, what else? Uh, I was going to talk about the Safari technology preview um, because obviously there's been a lot of there was a lot of you know stuff made of the uh, new Safari that's you know in Monterey and iOS yes. 15, and obviously it's got quite a lot of changes uh, to the way it works. And um, if you want to experience that. If you want to find out what that's like without having to go to um, one of the betas, uh, you know, which are currently only available to developers technically, um, if you go to uh, if you go to the uh, Safari Technology Preview, which is at developer.apple.com, uh, you yeah, can link, da- link in the show notes. Yes, link in the show <laughs> notes, of course. Um, you can download the Safari Technology Preview, which includes all of the, uh, or as far as I can tell, all of the changes that will be coming in Monterey. So that means you can experience uh, the new, you know, the new thing, app group, uh, tab groups, and the new way the tabs work and, and the whole, uh, all of that. And the, the benefit of this, if you're interested in doing such a thing, is you can download the technology preview, which will happily, it does not replace your original Safari. So you can play with it to your heart's content on Big Sur um, or anywhere else that will allow you to run it, I guess. I don't know if it goes back to Catalina, but you can certainly run it on Big Sur. Uh, and you can run it side by side with your current Safari. Okay, so it's a standalone app. It doesn't replace the original Safari. So you can uh, use it as an alternative browser, if you like, and you can have a get a feel for how the new tabs and all the new features work. Um, I'm not finding it too bad. I'm not keen on the thing where the um, where the toolbar changes to the background color of whatever um, whatever site you go to. But I mean, that's fairly trivial. I'll be honest. Um, you know, that's a cosmetic thing. I've only got a 13-inch MacBook Air. So the fact that the address bar is sighted on the tab and not separate isn't too much of a bother for me. It means it moves across the screen as you as you put it on, you know, as you go to different tabs. But my screen's not very big. Um, if you had a lot of tabs open on um, a big screen, you know, a 27 or 32-inch monitor, the damn thing's going to move all the way across the screen at various times, which I, d- I don't think is very good. Um, oh, right. As I say, well, on my... I downloaded it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I um, downloaded it. I'm looking at it now. You know, have a play. Um, 
it's not massively different. It's visually different. Um, that's that's my only real complaint at the moment. Um, tabs show up. All the tabs show up the same as pin tabs. So you just get a little square with a favicon on it. Um, yeah. And the active tab has, uh, you know, the address search bar on it, which means if you click to a different tab, the the address bar moves to that tab. Um, which I'm not I'm not that keen on to be honest. I'd prefer the address bar to stay where it is. Now, obviously, that technology preview is based on the you know the, where they are now as the bait has changed. If they get a lot of feedback saying that's horrible, that might change. They might move the they might move the uh, address slash search bar back to be a separate panel on the toolbar on the left or the right or whatever. I don't know, but you can do that. You can get that and uh, play about with it and see where Apple are currently thinking of going. Um, and you don't have to have a beta to do that. You can simply go and download oh, cool. the technology cool. preview. Mm. I'm looking at it. I, I, I quite like these little grey tab things at the top. That's quite nice. Yeah, but if you go to a, if you go to a different site, the only my problem is that the um, well, not problem. You're just getting used to it. But if you go to a, if you go to a different site, uh, sometimes they stay grey. But if you go, right. if you go to a site like um, oh, Titbits, right, which is its color is purple, the whole toolbar goes bright purple. Um, oh, right. Um, Interesting. I, I, I kind of get the idea. The idea is to pick up the color of the site you're on. Um, I'm not massively keen on it, to be honest. But it that's cosmetic, and you learn to live with it. Um, my biggest gripe at the minute is the wandering address bar which as i say on my little 13 inch monitor on my you know on my air is is not that bad you know but Uh, yes i I can see what you mean now i'm clicking on different so i'm I'm on a boots page it says sorry this page no longer exists (laughs) (laughs) Um, uh, it's an old it's an old link obviously uh and and the the toolbar is blue a light blue and then and then i go to amazon and it's black and CNN is black, and tidbits, as you say, is bright purple. Yeah, yeah. that's yeah. not bad. I mean, yeah, I can live with that. I can live with that. But if you go on your big monitor, you might find that you know, if you've got a lot of tabs open, I suspect you can find that the uh, finding the address bar might be more difficult than you'd hope. Yeah, yes, possibly so. Um, there we are. So, but yeah, hmm, anybody interested, I'll have you a can play da- with that. You can download it and play with it. And as I say. It's a standalone app. It will go in your app, uh, you know, in your application folder as Safari Technology Preview. So, you, you know, if you don't like it, at least for now, you can go back to the standard Safari. Yeah. So basically, you can uh, you can do the uh, the beta bit without having to beta. Yes, it is in effect. I mean, I've said before, you yeah. know, the the Safari Technology Preview. They don't call it a beta, but that effectively that's what it is. It's where yeah. they try out all the things that might or might not make it into the next version of Safari. Um, okay. Cool. Uh, Adobe are apparently dropping Photoshop Sketch and Illustrator Draw from the App Store in July. And uh, according to the article on Mac Rumors, it's going to be, they are going to be uh, deprecated in 2022. Um Existing users can continue to use Photoshop Sketch and Illustrator Draw after July the 19th with all artwork and projects remaining available. Uh, No new features or updates uh, will be added once they're discontinued. Um, Apparently, they're then going to uh, kill them 
uh, sometime in 2022, and they are moving everything over to Adobe Fresco. Um, That's a nice name. I quite like that. Which combines many of the Photoshop, Photoshop sketch and Illustrator draw drawing and painting tools. Uh, all projects created in Illustrator Draw or Photoshop Sketch will automatically migrate to Fresco after a user signs into the app with their Adobe ID. Um, so, there you go. I guess they're merging so they, the two these, together. Are these Sketch and Illustrator Draw available for the Windows as well? I mean, are they deprecating it for everybody? Um, or is it just... Well, they're just iOS and Android apps. Ah, right. Okay. They're, they're, they're mobile apps. They're not, they're not available on desktop. Oh, sorry. Right, yeah. Um, okay. So it says here, they're yeah, no longer available for download on iOS or Android starting on July the 19th. Um, Fair enough. That yeah. might annoy some people if they're uh, used to the way they work. Well, it sounds to me like Fresco, they've merged the two together because one, I suspect, yeah. is a drawing and one is a, you know. Um, I'm not familiar with either of them, to be honest. Um, Adobe Fresco launched on the iPad in 2019 and expanded to the iPhone last year. And the, the app is free with premium features available for $9.99. There we are. So. Oh, I see. It's called Adobe Fresco Draw and Paint. Is it? That's its full. So presumably it has vector and pixel abilities, I'm guessing. I guess. I'm, I'm guessing they've merged the two basically together. Um, yeah. Yes, so it is. It's called a Adobe Fresco Draw and Paint appears to be its full title. And uh yeah, it looks like basically they've merged the two into into one app, which one. I guess you know makes sense, I guess. Um Yes, because they're doing similar things, aren't they? They are. I, I I know that vector drawing is very different from pixel stuff, but uh, Yeah, but uh, to be honest, in both, some ways they are both drawing. <laughs> it, well, also you know, Photoshop has had vector abilities for quite a long time. And Illustrator has had um, pixel effects for a long oh, time. Right. So, so they overlap anyway. They overlap. Yeah. I mean, the the days when Photoshop only did pixels and Illustrator only did vectors are long gone. So they kind of overlap right. each other. Um, and you'll find the same. I'm, in go- most... I'm going back to going back to draw on the um, on the Risk PC. You see. Yeah, but um, <laughs> back to me BBC days. I mean that's the, the, yeah. I mean most most. You know, drawing and or uh, photo apps now have at least some of the abilities of the other, and you would tend to pick one on which you want to use most of, I would suppose. Um, yeah. So on a mobile app, I guess that actually makes sense. It really does make sense, I would have thought, to merge them together. Okay. Um, I've got a couple of uh, here that are kind of related. Running low on iCloud storage. This is a kind of how-to. How to make room for the things you need. Um, This is obviously uh, how to find out what using space uh, when you need to clear out your iCloud storage. Um, Oh, yeah, that looks quite good. Lots of of, uh, simple steps. Yeah, how to steps for you to do. Yeah, num- numbered things to do. How to delete, you know, stuff from uh, iCloud Drive. Uh, choose watch apps. Actually, use iCloud backup and so on. Uh, we won't go for all of that, but if you, you no, know, if shows you, get... you how to do it on your i shows you how to do it on your iOS devices and on the Mac by the looks of it. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, yeah. because they're all related to cloud, so um, yes, of course. They don't spec that. They, all the pictures here appear to be showing iOS, but. Um, yeah, there's the, just a bit near the bottom that says... Um, yeah, the, I manage, mean... It, uh, where is it? It was near the bottom somewhere. I've just seen it. Delete photos and screenshot. Oh, 
I've lost it now. Could I swear well, I saw it. Uh, yes, here we go. Mac oh. users, open Finder, go to iCloud Drive, blah, blah, blah. So there, you know. Ah, oh, right, yeah. On a Mac, open system preferences, click Apple ID, select iCloud, click manage, blah, blah, blah. So it's yeah. a load of steps. If you, if you know, this is particularly if you're like me and you're stingy and insist on getting by on five gig of free iCloud. Um, frugal, Simon, frugal. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Careful. <laughs> Careful. Um, I, I must admit, I might be tempted to the seventy nine p a month to uh, go up to fifty gig, uh, less because I need fifty gig and more because that would entitle me to all the uh, iCloud Plus benefits. Yeah, which yeah, that's true. Yes, I think I pay. I think I pay seventy nine p on my iPhone. Uh, yeah, and that gives it the wrong way around. I pay what I pay on one of them. Yeah, and then it gives it to it goes to everything. Because I've got two separate IDs, I pay for more on the other I. I pay I pay for the two two forty nine for the is it hundred gig? I think it is two hundred gig. I think isn't it now? I don't know. Yeah, it might be two hundred. Might be two hundred. On my main account, the one I use most, and but I I have got a little bit on the other account as well. So there we are. Um, And to go with this, Apple Insider have how to delete Time Machine local snapshots on Mac OS. Uh, which is that's a, quite good. Another, um, on the whole, you know, unless you're on a very tight storage space, probably not worth digging into. But it, you know, if you have a, if you have a Mac with one of the smaller SSDs, you know, one of the sort of one twenty eights or or whatever, could be handy yes. to know how to keep those trimmed down, um, or even turn them off altogether. Uh, <laughs> um, what else have we got? Uh, Okay, uh, iOS 15 is going to add WPA3 security protocol for hotspot connections. Um, what? You mean iOS 15 is going to become more secure? Yes. <laughs> what a surprise. <laughs> what a surprise. Um, I guess uh, by hotspots, I'm assuming they mean between, yes, between your phone and your iPad or whatever. Um, if yeah. you're using your iPad as a... Or a, or a computer. Yeah, mode, yeah if you. you're doing your using your phone as a bridge, or I guess your iPad, no. if it's cellular enabled, turn That's it into good. a modem. So people, people in your coffee shop aren't going to get into your into your secure connection between your devices. Is that good? <laughs> well, you know, can't hurt, can it? Can't hurt. No, um, absolutely. Okay, so um, apparently you do not need iCloud Plus to get hide my email in iOS 15, and here's how to set it up now on iDrop News. Um, Again, another sort of how-to, and it involves, uh, basically what it's saying is that uh, hide my email is kind of tied to the uh, sign-in with Apple protocols. Yeah, yeah. And it explains how it works and what you have to do to turn it on again. Um, apparently, this is a beta feature still rolling out, so it might not yet clear, appear in your iCloud account. Um, it's not necessarily dependent on iOS 15, as we've seen it on iCloud accounts, which have not been used with iOS 15 beta. Um, and, of course, you know, this might not make it all the way to the end of the beta, but there you go. Um, if you want to have a go at mucking around with... Uh, getting hide my email you can follow the instructions there on iDrop news i just found that interesting yeah um it's good don't think i'll bother to go through all that but you know if you're interested link in show notes um yeah uh tidbits here uh final cut pro 
compressor and motion have all been updated by Apple. Um, improvements and bug fixes for the professional video editing apps. Um, well, there you go. go. If don't you're, use any of them. Don't use any of them. <laughs> no, nor do I. But um, there you go. Updates are available. Probably already installed themselves if you're a user. But if not, there you go. You can go and um, get the latest updates. Um, and also from Tidbits, real system requirements for Apple's 2021 operating systems. Um, this is a fairly long breakdown, uh, similar to one we um, might even be the one we talked about the other day. But it explains exactly what machines um, can use the uh, the new OSs and also what features require um, certain levels of of chip. Oh, oh right. So, okay. Yeah. So it, you know, that is, that, there is a lot of stuff in there. Yeah. <laughs> So I'm actually quite surprised. One of the things that interests me in here, Watch OS 8 uh, is still supported by the Apple Watch Series 3. Um, oh, right. Apple does not go into specifics about what features work on which watches, simply saying not all features available on all devices. Um, which, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Most of these limitations are undoubtedly related to the lack of hardware, such as the blood oxygen sensor, which is only on the Apple Watch Series 6. <laughs> yeah, and again, you know, I'm not expecting to install Watch OS 8 on my Series 3 and suddenly get the ability to check my blood oxygen. No, I'm not. Um, surprising. I really think that the uh, the Apple Watch 3 might not make the cut this year. So that's... Um, oh, right. Um, but it, it explains which Macs and iPads are needed to use universal control. Um, yeah. What what, what works with run, M1 only, run, you know. What will run Mac OS 12 Monterey. Yeah. Um, other features have specific requirements. For example, AR object capture, Macs need at least 16 gig of RAM and 4 gigabytes of VRAM. Um, it is quite useful, though, isn't it? Because when you're talking to someone, sometimes oh, it, you might want to tell them tell them to do something in particular a yeah. list like this would be very useful to say oh can you do that when did you buy your, when did you buy your mac you know yeah. <laughs> and have a quick look and see if they if they that's available for them indeed so you know I, I, i'm not sure yeah. if that's the one we looked at last time or not but there you go linked again if i'd already um covered that uh okay what else have we got um amazon we've talked about um John McAfee, uh, yeah, the father of antivirus software. Uh, oh, yeah, been he's found dead, wasn't he? Yeah. Found dead in the, in a Spanish prison cell in Barcelona. It would appear that he took his own life. It's very sad. Um, apparently, he was due yeah, to be extradited. He was a bit of a, yeah, a bit of a weird bloke, could not he? Um, he'd got some. I'm pretty I get the sure he got some strange views. He had some very <laughs> strange views. Um, to be honest, I not. This is a. Uh, the article I've linked here is Huff Post. I read one, um, you know, a kind of um, obituary, I guess, in the Daily yep. Telegraph site, which, you know, went into a fair amount of his history. Um, he, you know, he founded uh, McAfee Antivirus, the first antivirus company. He made a lot of money. He left McAfee, I don't know, 25, 30 years ago. Um, yeah. With a, you know, vast fortune, 100 million or something. Um since then, he lived a very strange life. He'd lived in like an island in Belize where he may or may not have been involved in the murder of his neighbour. Um, oh, yes, I remember that being in the news as well. Uh, at one point, he lived on a yacht um, with his own private security team. Uh, 
from what I read, it sounds like, you know, and I'm no, you know, I'm not a doctor, I'm not a psychiatrist, but it sounds very much, you know, he believed that various governments had sent, were sending hit squads to kill him and um, he was being monitored. Um, it sounds very much to me like he was suffering from paranoid schizophrenia. Um it, mm. it, it's quite sad, really. It's almost one of those cases. If he was a normal person, he would have got help or been forced to have help, you know, for yes. that kind of level of delusion. But being, you know, ludicrously rich, he could indeed buy a huge yacht and have a private security team and spend his time sailing around the world evading, you know. Whoever. Whoever yeah. imagined, you know, threats, real and imagined, and um, avoiding anybody yeah. saying to him, John, I think you really are. I really think you need to see a doctor. You know, the Iranian hit squads are not actually coming to get you. Um, no, you know, laughing aside, it's it's quite sad. Um, it's a strange and possibly, you know, tormented life. Um, yeah. Did he say how old he was? Uh, just had a quick quite through. old. He was in his 70s. Oh, um, 75. 75. Yeah. Um, oh, that's sad. Yeah. Um, Apparently, he was indicted on tax evasion charges in the U.S. and arrested in Spain. Um, I read somewhere he was attempting to travel to... I can't remember now. Some, some, somewhere. But he was using a British passport. So I think actually the... <laughs> I think the Spanish actually arrested him for trying to travel on false documents and uh, then detained him to decide whether he would be extradited to the U.S. to face tax evasion. Right. But, um, I believe they... Uh, they decided he was going to be extradited, and then he was found dead. So, um, an interesting, troubling story, to be honest. If you read about his life, um, I'm yes. pretty, pretty sure the man was um, mentally unwell for a large part of the time. There we are. Um, uh, on a, on a... And, and talking about talking about being unwell. <laughs> <laughs> what about the poor Hubble? Yes, exactly. You're going to say talking about being unwell. Um, the Hubble backup computer has broken too. Um, this was a, a, a bit of an odd story. Oh, that's on futurism. Damn. Um, I got the yeah, original Apple news. Uh, well, apparently the... They've been trying to fix it, haven't they? Because it suddenly stopped working on June the, the 13th. Yes, the, the, Hubble, um, the Hubble telescope computer uh, went wrong in some fashion. Um, apparently there were weird glitches. Um, and so I'm just I'm just trying to find the Apple News link because um, the the link to uh, Futurism, who are the source, um, requires me to register, and I don't wish to do so. Um, oh. Anyway, the backup computer is broken. Well, yes, the backup computer is exhibiting the same problems that the main computer is. Yes, um, and apparently it, ha- it hasn't been switched on since 2009. This backup computer. No. Um, let me just. I'm going to go into Apple News and see if I can find it there. Right here we go. Um, yeah, here we go. Um, when it turned it on, the agency found the backup computer was experiencing the same error as the primary computer. This means that neither the primary or backup payload hardware is the source of Hubble's problems. It might be hardware in a separate module, such as a power regulator or a data formatter. Um, mm. Here we are. Um, yeah, we all know about you know the fabulous discoveries that the Hubble has made. Um, what they need to do is just bring up the local computer shop. They'll go out and fix it. It won't be a problem. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, the loss of the Hubble telescope would be an end of an era for modern space exploration. Um, 
If it signals the end of the Hubble, NASA will use a system it installed in 2009 to guide it back into Earth's atmosphere where it will burn up on re-entry, giving the telescope one last opportunity to look up at it in wonder. There you go. Well, didn't let's hope... They have, uh, didn't they have issues with Hubble some time ago with it? with focusing or something well when it was originally launched the the mirror was yeah. out of out of true that's right that it was wasn't that to wasn't there a shuttle went up to fix it yes they had to do something i did they did some stuff with software i think to uh, but they did send some guys up to um i don't know tighten the bolts or whatever to <laughs> <laughs> yes stretch the lenses properly or something <laughs> it was a long time ago it was probably you're probably thinking yeah a few years ago it was probably 25 years ago or something but um yes yeah, it probably was they did yeah. have a problem initially and they corrected it um so there you go uh well let's hope that they can figure out what's wrong with it and get it back up and running but if not expect it to yeah, be guided so. in, I mean, into the Earth's some, atmosphere we've had some amazing photos from it yes we have um we have indeed. Uh, what else have we got? I'll just, I'll just see if I can find another link. Uh, Slash Gear says NASA is pulling out all the stops to try and fix the Hubble Space Telescope. Um, yeah, there's a whole load. If you look in Apple News under Hubble, you'll get a, a half a dozen um, reports. Maybe I'll put one of those in the. I'm going to put one of those in the. Um, I'm going to put one of those in the show notes because futurism requires you to register. So, right. Let's let's um, put another one in there instead. Right. Um, I'm going to mention this because um, Bob O'Donnell, ex of um, Tech Pinions podcast and, of course, uh, head of tech analysis research, um, you know, a very respected business analyst and uh, obviously co-conspirator with Carolina and um, Ben Baharin and uh, the like, has a new podcast called Everything Technology. So I've just put a link in there to that. I haven't listened to the first one yet. I don't know how frequent they're going to be. But, uh, you know, he's an interesting guy with a lot of knowledge about the industry and he's going to, or has launched this new podcast, which he says, um, industry news, analysis, commentary and interviews with an attitude, everything technology. There's lots of tech-related news sources on the web, but perspective, analysis and context is often sadly lacking. Uh, Bob O'Donnell, president of Tech Analysis Research, the Everything Technology podcast offers a missing insight into tech, key tech news and trends. There we go. So I'm going to listen to that later um, and I hope he makes a big success of it. And if you're interested in that sort of thing, link in the show notes. Um, uh, right. What the other big thing that's been going on this week, of course, Nick, uh, the, there's been problems with the Western Digital My Book Live where um, users have been waking up to find that their data has been deleted. Oh, that's Um, not good. No, this started off um, earlier in the week. Uh, Ars Technica, I've got a report. Uh, I'm totally screwed. My WD, my book live, uh, you know, wake, users wake up to find data deleted. Um, Multiple users report that the data loss coincided with a factory reset performed on their devices. Uh, One person has posted a log showing the unexplained behaviour. Now, these are um, like a desktop drive, um, you know, backup drive, but you can um, put them... The reason it's called the MyBook Live is because it uses an Ethernet cable to connect to the local network, and from there, you can remotely access it online. Um, 
Western Digital stopped supporting the My, My Book Live in 2015. Um, Western Digital advised customers to disconnect their MyBook Live devices to prevent further attacks while they investigate the mass wiping. Um, now, this story's been running kind of all week. Um, uh, I've got a follow-up link from Western Digital Drives Remotely Wiped, what experts say to do now, uh, because it would appear, you know, that somehow these devices are being sent um, a firmware update. Now, Western Digital haven't issued a firmware update since 2015. Um, so if you have one, unplug it from the internet um, and possibly turn it off completely. Uh, uh, My Book Live and My Book Live Duo were released in 2010 and received their last update in 2015. Um, the company has not oh, given dear. an estimate of how many are in circulation or how many are still using them. Um, this rather reminds me of a story about uh, iCloud in its early days. When yeah, people had their data deleted. Um, but this would appear to be an attack. Somebody is doing this. Oh, oh, right. Okay. Oh, um, I didn't realise that. Yes. Yeah. Because there are no firmware updates since 2015, and these things appear to be receiving right. a, a firmware update, or at least what appears to be a firmware update. Um, and then um, it's factory resetting and wiping every all the data. Um, well, that's pretty. Uh, that's pretty nasty. Uh, Not a nice thing to do. No, Western Digital insists there is no current evidence that its own iCloud, firmware update services or customer credentials have been compromised. Um, It it suggests that MyBook Live drives, which are left directly accessible via the internet through direct connection or port forwarding, manually or automatically turned on via UPnP, which is universal plug and play, hackers have then used port scanners to spot potential victims they have theorized um this is all very much of a mystery you know as this uh a quote here um which is a a fair point it says it's very scary and devastating that someone can do a factory restore on my drive without any permission granted from the end user yeah um oh dear that's so there you go if you have one definitely disconnect it from the um internet and uh make sure but i guess there's no port forwarding and if necessary um you know make a backup of it or a clone of it and then unplug it all together um yeah at least for now uh it's an ongoing story that one and nobody seemed to really know why somebody would be doing such a thing or right at this moment or, or if somebody's doing such a thing i mean they, they seem yeah. to be claiming that there's no ingress into their systems so. but um the problem is if somebody figured out how to do that would not be, you know, apparently not be too difficult to, to do. So I don't know. Right. Um, yeah. I mean, to be honest, I'm not sure I would be trusting a six to 11 year old spinning drive as a backup of anything anyway, personally, but no, um, maybe not, you know, um, you know, if it's working perfectly well and you, you know, why would you necessarily be concerned? But, um, that's an ongoing story. Keep your eyes open. Um, last couple of things then before we wrap up, I guess, Nick. Um, oh, shall, I, shall I tell people about the... Um, oh, yes, the yes. Before interesting we go. Thing, uses I've been putting my equipment to. <laughs> yes, we've, I've nearly forgot about that. Before the show, we were talking about that, and I said you should talk about it. Yeah. So off you go, so, Nick. Yeah. So if uh, I seem to be one of those people who... Um, We'll always want to do so, uh, sort of something that things weren't originally designed for, <laughs> or at least they weren't designed to do specifically that thing. 
uh, and finding a way of getting them to work. So um, this week at church, we had what we call a uh, local arrangement, which is basically down to the church to arrange someone to deliver a message or uh, uh, just lead the service generally. And it was my turn. But um, I'm sure you'll know from what we've, if you've been listening for a while, that um, I've been heavily involved in the technical side of of, uh, streaming worship. So this week I had to find a way of leading worship from the front while still doing the technical stuff in the background. So we have a computer at the back of church, which which we stream from, uh, and there's a camera at the back of church too. And uh, I found out that I could, so I used Jump Desktop. So if you've got, um, what's it called? I always forget what it's called. Setup. If if you've got Setup, Jump Desktop comes as part of that. And uh, Jump Desktop is remote control software. So I found that I could um, remote control um, the M1 uh, Mac Mini that we've got down at church uh, from my iPad. So I can actually run Jump Desktop on the iPad and then control the computer, which is, uh, say, at the back of the church. And I've also got an app that controls the camera. Fortunately, they'd run in multitasking mode. So I could have on the left-hand side uh, of the screen, well, two-thirds of the, of the iPad was the remote control software. And on the on the right was the... Um, the camera control software. So I was, at, and there's a, quite a few presets on the cameras. So it's not like I'm having to move the camera manually. I just press a button and it moves to the pulpit, and I press another button and it moves across to to where our singers are and, and that kind of thing. Uh, and it worked pretty well on the whole. I was quite amazed because uh, the last time I tried to do this, we got a 2011 Mac Mini, and in all honesty, it struggled to to do that and stream it out to YouTube. Um, we got a lot of stuttering in the stream. Um, so I was very pleased. The M1 uh, Mac Mini took it in its stride, as it seems to do most things. Not really, uh, su- not really M- surprising, to be honest. Well, no, it's a very powerful little machine. Uh, and we, it's it's only the one with 8 gig of RAM, but it doesn't seem to be any problem at all. And it ran very well. The only I had one minor problem where the beta version of the camera software the camera app on my ipad decided it couldn't see the internet for a couple of minutes and uh, the camera i couldn't move the camera at all uh but it suddenly came back to life again so i'm not quite sure what happened there it might have been a little glitch in our wi-fi quite possibly uh but on the whole it worked very well so yeah putting your mac stuff to unusual uses and uh, using them in unusual ways is something uh, something I like to do. I love it when, uh, as they used to say in the, um, oh, what was the name of the program? I love it when a plan comes together. Oh, what, the um, A-Team? The A-Team, that was it. Just like the A-Team, I love it when a plan comes together. And it, and it did. Excellent. Very good. Um, and uh, we're going to put add a link to uh, Nick's uh, Methodist Church youtube channel so you can actually go there and have a look at nick's streaming work at the result yes yeah at the result at the result uh no no you know that's very good that's the sort of thing you know um i mean other things would probably do it log me in i guess um variety of um oh yes yes there's a variety of remote control software but um yeah i I did have a minor i did have a minor problem when i started to do it because um um, I'd only actually used used it 
to update the computer church remotely um, from home. And I could either do that on my Mac at home or I could do it on the iPad. Um, and when I went, fortunately, I went down yesterday to test it to make sure it worked okay. And for some reason, I ended up with a, a much smaller screen on the big screens that we've got at the front of the church. The output was actually not the full size of the screen and I couldn't quite work out. So I got like big black bars around the outside. And I couldn't quite work out what was going on until I actually looked at the Jump Desktop uh, software. And there's a setting in it which says um, optimize for my iPad or keep original ratio. So what it was doing was it was making my computer fit the ratio of my iPad. And hence, when it was going out, it wasn't filling 1080p. Um, so all I had to do was switch that off. And uh, and it then allowed it to go back to full screen at the front of the church, and it just made the the image on my iPad a little bit smaller because of course it it made it wider if you see yeah. what I mean. So it fitted in a wider screen on the iPad, um, but it was fine. It worked okay. Uh, the touch points are a little bit smaller, but but with uh, Jump Desktop you can actually use. It has like a little circle that oh, represents like loop. the pointer. Yeah, yeah, like a loop. Yeah. That's right. And you can just move that rather than moving the mouse pointer and then tap on that instead. Um, so, yeah, yeah, it was good and it worked. Um, I hope I don't have to do it too often because trying to do that and read from a script, which I've basically written myself, <laughs> yeah. was actually quite challenging. Yeah, multi-multitasking. But there you go. Indeed. But, uh, Indeed. yeah, that's an interesting, you know, interesting nevertheless. Um, and uh, like you say, um, and talking of M1s, uh, for those who are wondering why Jim's not here, uh, Jim has bought himself uh, a, a Mac M1 Mini. A um, new toy. A new toy. I believe he traded in his old Mac um, and uh, bought a new M1 Mac Mini. And uh, as a result, um, he's not here today because he's got to, you know, get it all set up and uh, ready to go. So he's not here today. Yes, I'm sure he's... Uh salivating at the prospect i'm sure he is very much so <laughs> but like all such things you know you have to get them set up uh you can turn it on indeed and yes. it's all lovely but you know he's gonna need to well i asked him whether his, it, uh... i asked him whether i must admit the last couple of times i bought a new machine i have done a a uh i've i've heard other people have problems when they try and copy profiles off across from other computers so the last couple of times i decided to do it the long way around and that is just you know use the built-in os as it is and copy the stuff across manually uh which has saved me an awful lot of hassle i think probably in the long run it just takes there are always when you do that kind of thing, there are always little programs that you downloaded that you forgot about. Yeah, the things that you don't use you go, often. Yeah, yeah, and you go to use it, and you suddenly think, "Oh, why has that not worked?" And then you think, "Oh, I installed yeah, blah, whatever it, whatever it's called." And uh, and that usually happens, as you say, yeah, six months into usage, you suddenly think, "Oh, oh, I'm gonna have to re-download that." <laughs> <laughs> Well, there you go. It doesn't hurt, you know, helps clear out stuff, doesn't it? It always, not not necessarily a bad idea. Um, yeah, I do like, I do like having a, a nice clean system to start with. So there we go. So yeah, that's good. Um, and uh, talking of, you know, usually doing things that aren't necessarily intended, in one of the Just a Snippets this week, somebody has put a Raspberry Pi inside a G5 iMac because why the hot heck not? 
this was on iMore. Um, it's one of the old white plastic iMacs. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, I had one of those. I did a nice machine for its time. Um, it says here, uh, it has a working power button, sound camera, and even the original screen. Um, PJ That's Evans cool. yeah, resurrected a G5 iMac using most of the original hardware, including the speakers and camera. Um, today, we're excited to add an Apple Pie creation to our list of products. PJ Evans, a writer for the official Raspberry Pi magazine, has created what he calls the Pie Mac. Very good. Uh, this rig features a Raspberry Pi inside a 2004 to 2006 era iMac G5 case. Um, Power button, sound, camera, all working. Um, Just very good. Kudos to someone reusing an old machine in that way. Well, it's a nice a nice uh, thing to do. Um, he uses the device's original Samsung display panel thanks to a controller unit he picked up on eBay for $40. So um, other than time and effort, That's... I suspect he's yeah. uh, probably spent, I don't know, less than $100 on that. And, you know, they might not be new, but that's probably a lot cheaper than buying a monitor. And uh, Yes, yeah. No, I, I, I admire people who can do this sort of uh, repurposing. Yep. Um, that's excellent. Very nice. I wonder if they'll publish instructions in the uh, Magpie magazine on how he did it. It'd be, uh, It'd be interesting to see, wouldn't it? Doesn't say what... Because uh, there are one or two people that have actually... That have actually put the M1 inside various computers, haven't they? Mm. I've seen one or two YouTube videos where they've uh, they've taken an old iMac that they've got, and uh, uh, I think it was a 27 inch, and they actually put in a put an M1 inside it, which was quite uh, quite clever. There you go. So, as you say, kudos to him for that one. Yes. Um, so the other um, the other one, the other snippet, um, just a snippet, which is. Quite fun. Uh, River Runner. Watch the path of a raindrop from anywhere in the contiguous United States. Obviously, I'm not in the United States, but even so, it's still cool. You can pick any point on the map and then watch the path of that raindrop through the river system to the sea. Oh, that's so, cool. Yeah. Um, I can't amazing remember. what people do. Yeah, isn't it just? Um, I saw uh, something else this week uh, where I get what they'd done. They'd used. Um, Oh, I can't remember the name of it, but there's um, geographical data, which is freely available. Um, And they used it to uh, be able to draw a line across, um, you know, a topographical map um, or no, sorry, a a satellite image, I believe, showing, you know, hills and valleys. And as you drew the, you know, moved the line across the uh, image using this uh, freely available uh, geographical data, it drew uh, the profile of the landscape on on the bottom of the picture. So as you moved it across, oh, you could see the cool. it, it kind of you know the a cross sectional um, elevation map, which was rather. Oh, strict. this is this is I'm I'm liking this. This is cool. So you you get a map, you click on somewhere, it shows you the route on the map, and then it flies you over it. Mm. <laughs> Oh, this is great. Yeah. I'm not quite sure where I am because I'm moving far too fast to be able to tell. But, <laughs> oh, what does that say? Uh, Kansas, something, Kansas River? Yeah, probably. Ooh, flying over an airport. <laughs> <laughs> but it's clever. It's very clever. It is clever. That's clever. I like it. I forget who posted that. It might actually have been Nemo, to be honest. Um, yeah, that is just, yeah, very clever. So. Oh, going through a city now. <laughs> I could sit and watch that for hours, but I won't. <laughs> 
go. Yeah. Found it, finding a downstream path from Bailey, Colorado. I've just randomly clicked on somewhere on the map. Um, there it goes. Wow. It goes a long, long way. Gee, from Colorado, <laughs> it goes through uh, Nebraska. Oh, crikey, all the, all the way down to um, the Bay of Mexico, by the look of it. Yeah, mine did the same. It went down to Mississippi and that area from Texas. Yeah, mine's got all the little... It's got the names of the places as it goes through. Wow, that is, you know, it is clever, I have to say. And it is clever. I, I'm going to have a play with that when we finished. Um, <laughs> yeah, I've I've got a little uh, thing on the side here, total length, and it's showing me where I am. South Plate River, Latte River, Missouri River, Missouri River, to the Gulf of Mexico. Oh, I noticed that. Oh. Um, I've got I've got I've got a, um, a map in the top left showing where we are. Um, things showing we where we are on the you know on the trail. Um, you can speed it, you can jump forward or backwards. Have more detail, go faster. Um, all sorts of things. Yeah, unfortunately, it only covers the United States, but it's still it's still um, it's it's pretty clever, and uh, I thought that was worth worth a snippet. Um, Absolutely. And the worth of chirps. Um, couple of worth of chirps um this app lets you download full mac os big sur installer package in one click uh that's from nine to five mac and it has a link to um a new app from scripting os 10 uh download full installer is a new app from armin briegel i hope i've pronounced that right that lists the full mac os big sur and later installer packages available from apple software update catalogs um and the, the point of that if if you're not aware is most of um apple's installers recently when you download the installer you get a little installer app which then runs and then starts pulling the um the installer information down from the net um if you don't want to do that, you know, if you don't have the greatest internet connection or you've got a whole load of machines you want to update or whatever, it, it can be simpler to download the complete package and make a, a USB installer. And this allows you to get the, right. full, the full package, which, you know, can be quite big. Um, yes. But, you know, it's sometimes useful to have. I mean, if you're a, you know, if you're in a school or somewhere or, you know, where you have to maintain a whole load of machines it can be useful to have the complete package which you can just do without having to download an installer and then install the os using the net or if you of course if you have machines which uh, are not online for whatever reason if they're air gapped or otherwise yes. um yeah you know, don't wish to connect them to the network um and the other one i've got here is uh our mac user group um we had uh we normally have a you know, a Zoom meeting, and it's usually at the end of the month on um, on a Wednesday evening here in the UK. Um, but of course, since the uh, pandemic and we've been online, we've realised that uh, we don't have to restrict, you know, uh, keep ourselves just to um, local people. So we've had people from the Tucson mug joining us. Um, we've tied up with the Naples, Florida mug. Um, we've had um, various other people. Um, you know, coming to join us, depending on time zones, obviously. Um, and we had a presentation um, on, you know, online security from uh, a guy called Josh Summers, who's, uh, you know, a security specialist uh, who lives in uh, Chiang Mai in um, in the Philippines. Um, 
Now, the time we normally have our meeting would be 3 a.m. in the morning for him. So um, that wasn't really appropriate. So uh, <laughs> we, we had a we had a um, we had a meeting and it was uh, 11 a.m. Uh, on Saturday morning. Yeah, and we had our Zoom meeting and uh, Josh, you know, appeared from, I guess I was probably, I guess it probably be about 6 p.m. or something. I think they're seven hours ahead in Thailand, right. something like yeah. that. Anyway, um, so uh, he came and, you know, gave a presentation and, a, you know, a Q&A. Um, and uh, I have a link here to his website, which is called All Things Secured, where he has, you know, free online security checklist, which you can download. Uh, tabs, security basics, VPNs, password security, email security, various resources. Um, all of this stuff, which basically he, you know, there's articles about security, um, checklists and help from him. It's all basically given away for free. It's um, a fabulous resource, along with some of the others we've mentioned in the past. That's allthingssecured.com. Um, and again, link in the show notes. Um there you go. Don't leave online security and identity protection to chance. Let me show you easy ways to help secure yourself today. Learn how to take control. Um, Jolly good. And it looks as if it's a good website. It is a good website. You and check he, passwords and all sorts of things. Yep. He's, uh, you know, he was an excellent speaker, um, you know, and talked about, you know, do you need a VPN? What does a VPN actually do? Um, and all of the stuff, obviously, is basically taken from this. You know, his presentation is made basically from his website. Um, as he said, we can't cover everything, but uh, he was a really good speaker, really good speaker. Um, and that's his website, which tells you a whole load of things that can help you keep yourself uh, secure and private. There we are. And that's my son crashing around in the kitchen like an elephant. <laughs> you can hear it in the background. And by the way, if you if you wonder why Steve hasn't said anything for a while, it's because <laughs> his family arrived. and um... Yeah, and I think there was, <laughs> there, it sounded he... like several small, excited small children. Um, they did, yes. Yeah. So, yeah. so he uh, he disappeared. He said he might be back later, but I think uh, I think he's going to miss it there because I think we're near the end. Yeah, <laughs> we're near the end. So uh, there you go. That that is pretty much it. Um, they're the top tips. I think we've covered everything, and uh, we've been going a decent amount of time. So there we are. Jolly good. Um, so I guess it's time for the wrap up. Um, Nick. Yes, you can find me occasionally on Twitter as Spligosh. S P L I G O S H. And I'm occasionally on Bart Show, and I've put the link. I've sent the link to Simon. Simon, do you just want to click on that link and make sure it takes you through to the channel? Uh, yes, I will do that now. We got um, this is a link to Nick's church YouTube channel, Erdington Methodist Church YouTube account. Um, one week ago, is that the one? Looks like it. Yeah, if you click, if you click on videos there's a tab oh, right. along the top yeah click on uh, videos i think it had this morning's on uh not by the look of it at the moment oh, one okay. one Maybe. one week one week ago seems to be the um oh so when i click on home i see last week's if i click on videos then i see this week mm, nope unless it's still being processed i wouldn't have thought so after this amount of time they added newest uh, no, the newest one I've I've got, yeah, six months, three months, two months, two months, one month, three weeks, one week at the moment. Oh, okay. So yeah, I don't know why. I don't know well, why you're not seeing those others because you might want to check it. But there you go. Um, I will check it. I will check it. I'm yeah. sure. I'm sure. Uh, you know, by the time this show goes out, if there's a problem, it, it will have either updated itself or you will have um, 
sorted it out. Found out what the issue is. Yeah. So if anybody wants to see Nick doing his, uh, you know, his church streaming thing, that I will put the link in the show notes uh, along yeah, with his other. Yeah, you can tell I'm doing it. You can tell I'm doing it because every now and then I I look down and tap the top of the <laughs> the, <laughs> the pulpit I'm standing on. <laughs> there we go. Um, right, uh, Steve. Uh, Steve, of course, is. Steve uh, of Geeks Corner, and uh, you will find that at www.geekscorner.info. Um, that's changed. It's changed. I'm pretty sure the if you have the old link, it will probably still work, which I think was geekscorner.co.uk. But he's now at geekscorner.info, which is his blog slash website. Um, he does the Geeks Corner podcast, which you can find linked from his site, and you can find him on Twitter as at geekcorner underscore uk um there you go so uh thanks for coming on steve uh appreciate your time you know um he did warn us beforehand he might have a bunch of excited children turning up i believe it's uh either one of his children's or one of the other children's birthdays so i think there's a some sort of party going on um bound to be excited then isn't it (laughs) yes um yeah small children and birthday cake and jelly and such like yeah tends to elicit a lot of yelling um right uh i of course can be found on the twitters as at serenak and that's s-e-r-e-n-a-k uh you can follow the show as at essential apple of course uh all our stuff is on the website um which is essentialapple.com. You can uh, find us all in the Slack room. Link to join the Slack room in the show notes, as always. Um, I've sorted out my notifications on Slack as well. Oh, have you? Yeah, i would got it set so that it would only tell me when I was mentioned. Ah. Not surprising, I wasn't seeing any. <laughs> well, I, I am mentioned occasionally, but not that often. <laughs> well, we don't, yeah, we, I must admit we don't we don't do a lot of atting in there on the whole, unless we're dile- directly replying to something. We do yes. yeah. There's a lot of um, there's a lot of chatter where people just post things, or obviously if there's a live thread going on, people don't need to keep atting each other because we're just chatting in real time. But um, indeed. Yep, uh, and we have a lot of fun in there, and it's uh, it's not all Apple stuff. Uh, we have various things going on. Um, obviously, there's the dark room where uh, people like Alistair and uh, Mac Jim and uh, various other people post pictures. Uh, Nemo sometimes posts places, you know, pictures of things. Um, and he had posted a rather nice picture of Chimney Rock and Courthouse at the Cimarron Range because he's on his vacations. Um, all sorts of things go in there. Um, you know, we have possible stories where people put stuff that we might want to talk about. We have movie and TV where, you know, people recommend things they've watched or throw bricks at things that they've watched and said, don't bother wasting your time with. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and various other things where, you know, all sorts of uh, chatter goes on. Um, oh, uh, in fact, Jim has posted a picture of his uh, of his m1 startup well you know the, the beginning of the uh the beginning of the install it's got oh, the screen excellent. up which is a select your country or region which is i think the first one you get isn't it when you uh yes yeah yeah cool good luck jim yeah hope it all goes okay there we are there we are um so that's it thank you to everybody who listens thank you to everybody who supports us in all the usual manners retweeting and such like uh, thanks to everybody who sends us money, which you know helps pay for hosting and various other bits and thing, bits and bobs that uh, you know Mark has to handle in the background. Um, 
Mark's not here today because he's been on a long bike ride and I think he needed to have a lie down. Um, and, and when I mean a long bike ride, knowing Mark, that was probably a very long bike ride. I don't mean I don't mean <laughs> around the village. He's probably been across the mountains or somewhere. Um, that's his, as is his want. So uh, yes. I guess until next week, we'll all say goodbye. So uh, goodbye from me. And it's goodbye from him. Yeah. And it's goodbye from Steve. So, uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. See you, Steve. <laughs> right. We'll sign off now and we'll be back next time. You've been listening to the Essential Apple Podcast. And I'd like to say if you enjoy the show and would like to support us, feel free to go over to the website essentialapple.com and you will find links to both Patreon and the Pinecast Tips Jar where you can make a donation towards the cost of the show. Uh, Or even if you're really keen, you could set up a recurring payment. And thank you very, very much to all the people who already do support us. We really do appreciate you very much indeed. This show is, of course, part of the My Mac Podcasting Network, where you can find a variety of other shows like the My Mac Podcast with Guy and Gaz, the G-Men, Tech Fan with Tim and David, the Nintendo Club podcast, the geekiest show ever, the Three Geeky Ladies, uh, Bart Bouchotts and his wonderful Let's Talk Apple, and possibly some more that I've forgotten. So why not go over to mymac.com, take a look at the available podcast, and take a listen. Hey, David, this week on TechFan, let's talk about Apple. Uh, don't like it. Yeah, okay. Uh, Windows? We can talk about Windows. Boring! Um, yeah, you know, there's there's a lot of cool things in 3D printing going on. We could we could talk really? about... Cool? Uh, I don't think so. Uh, uh, what about, like, uh, the Raspberry Pi? We've we've discussed that in the past. It's TechFan. No! Uh, you're, you're just being difficult now. What do you want to talk about this week on TechFan? How about we talk about Apple, and then a little bit about Microsoft, and then the Raspberry Pi? You suck. Oh, I'll tell you what you did. We didn't mention. We didn't mention um, Windows 11. No, we didn't. And actually, I had a whole load of stuff about that. Never mind. It's not a Windows. <laughs> not a Windows show. Although, yeah, I was going to talk about it because that was one of the bigger things, actually. Yeah, um, I. I... What surprised me, I mean, I haven't watched the whole thing, but I've watched one or two of those, you know, where they say highlights of, uh, is, is how Apple it looks. I mean, it's got a proper toolbar at the bottom and, uh, you know, uh, application bar, as it were, at the bottom, uh, which is in the middle, just like the Mac.
Um, and I just thought, the more they talked about it, the more I thought, well, yeah, the Mac does that as well. And the Mac does that. So it just proves they all copy, you know. Oh, yeah. The Mac, cop the Mac copies Windows and the Windows copies the Mac. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but I think, it, if anything, it looks more like the Mac than it ever has. It's... I mean, I've 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 not watched it yet. Um, I've heard some things, you know. Um, some people are saying it's got a fairly heavy Vista vibe um, going on. Oh right, okay. Uh, I've got a lot about that. It's got a lot of apparently got a lot of sort of frosted glass panels and things. Um, it certainly has that. Yes, I, I saw that in the demo. Still supports thirty-two bit apps though. They're not cutting um not cutting it that far Cut, away. Cutting the cord yet? Yeah. Um. What surprised? Well, what surprised me is um, the the although the tech specs, you know, the required specs to run it are not particularly high. Um, the number of uh, you need to have a TPM, which is a trusted platform module version two, apparently. Yeah. Um, although allegedly, very many uh, machines should have that, but um, you need to have uh, an eighth generation. Uh, whatever they an Apollo Lake or later apparently, which is eighth generation chip. Um, right. They're saying I think you need at least a Ryzen three thousand. Um, I've, I've just put a I've just put a, a link in the um, introducing Windows eleven. It just gives you some. I mean, it has got a video, but it, it's also got quite a lot of screenshots. Yeah, I mean that that there, that sort of the new. If that's the new start menu, I mean, it looks very much like. Um, it looks a bit like the system preferences page. Something. Yeah, like it's that. very streamlined. It looks very. Well, I say it looks like a. It looks like Mac OS to me. It does look uh, okay, rather it's not identical, but it, no. it, it certainly has. It the, the minimalist sort of exterior of the windows and the yeah just reminds me of the Mac. It looks it does look very Mac like, doesn't it? Um, but you know, if you did if you didn't know better, you'd think someone had written like a sort of a one of those skins, yeah, a skin, yeah, a skin for the Mac. Um, yeah, the the whole it seems to be very limited in what machines it's going to support. Um, right. I know that I think they spent quite a lot of time talking about gaming because, of course, that's their their shtick, isn't it? Um, their, uh, yes, it is one of their big things. Their one thing. of the one of the things that you know people buy PCs for, but that, you know Mac doesn't. That's not to say you can't play uh, decent games on a Mac, but you know if you're no, really if you're really into the hardcore stuff, um, uh, yeah, but but. Uh, I got the distinct impression, you know I, how I said, why did they call, you know, when we were talking about why did they call it 11? And I said, I yeah. suspect a marketing push. Uh, several of the blogs I've looked at where they're talking about uh, Windows 11, when they've come to the tech specs, they're saying, yeah, this looks very much like a restrict the number of, uh, you know, older machines that can run it so that manufacturers can start bringing out Windows 11 laptop. All right. Yeah, um, and branded, did, branded did, Windows Eleven kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, and you know, guaranteed, you know, or comes with Windows Eleven, um, and in order to try and juice the uh, juice the sales, although you know, yeah, I mean, if you look if you look further in this page, it's got a picture of like like the um, their application store. Yeah, uh, and I mean that even looks like the Apple App Store, and why why they'd want to copy that, I don't know. <laughs> 
Because <laughs> it's not particularly good at finding stuff, is it? No, well, as long as uh, they got a better search. Go. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I there was quite a bit of stuff I've read where, it, you know, people were taking it as a, a dig at Apple where they were saying stuff about how it supports developers and it's open and, and, and all this. But it's like, it was like, yeah, people who are listening to that who have a bias... Uh, are going, yeah, yeah, true, true, right? It's far more open and all this, but it's like, not if you're comparing it to the Mac, it's not. You're going to compare it to iOS, where, you know, yes, you have to get stuff through the App Store. Fine. But if you're on the Mac, you don't have to You don't have to get stuff from the Mac App Store. You can get stuff from anywhere. Yeah, you can. Win- yeah. Windows, you know, the Mac is no more closed than it's ever been. And it's just one of those things that kind of rankled with me, which I'm not saying that um, I don't know if Microsoft themselves were trying to have a little dig there, but well, they they do sometimes, don't they? However, apparently, (laughs) apparently, as a bit of a Microsoft fail, they apparently tried to stream it themselves, and it all went horribly wrong, and they ended up yeah, I heard that they ended up frantically putting up um, things on Twitter and whatnot, redirecting people to YouTube where it was also being streamed because they're. uh, one of the things one of the things I thought was quite quite amusing was the way they said introducing Windows eleven uh, with teams built in. I thought mm. is that a, is that a good thing? <laughs> I'm I'm not sure I really liked Teams very much, no. even though I even though I signed up to be one of the people who started getting it spread within Seven Trent. Um I did find it difficult to use, I must admit. Well, um, I guess that means... Anyway, we'll see. It'll be interesting to... It will be interesting to see. Um, Ah, my headset's just said in a very sultry American voice, low battery. Low battery, (laughs) please charge. Please recharge your device. Yeah. Okay, right, well then, Nick. uh, Rightio. Time's ticking on. Good to talk to you, as always. All right, mate. Yeah, take care. All right, see you later. Bye. Bye.